Do you get confused while pouring over labels at the grocery store trying to determine the healthiest options? What makes one box of cereal better for you than another? And how are we supposed to decipher the extensive list of mysterious ingredients on every package and then determine whether they're safe or toxic to our family's health? Well, joining me today are the authors of Rich Food, Poor Food, The Ultimate Grocery Purchasing System. They're Mira and Jason Calton, and they've written an incredibly interesting book. Welcome. Thanks for having us. So, Thanks, baby. I'm so glad that you're here today because, you know what, it's getting harder and harder. Supposedly, all this consumer information on the products, we're supposed to be in the know, but it is overwhelming. So what does your book do in terms of a strategy for us at the grocery store? You're right. I mean, there's over 40,000 items in the typical grocery store. So, you know, how are we as consumers supposed to sort through all that and decide which foods are healthy and which ones could be potentially dangerous, which ones contain those ingredients that are even banned in other countries? Nobody tells us this. So that's why we wrote Rich Food, Poor Food. We wanted a point-and-shoot guide that would literally be something that a person could buy today and use tonight. They can go in the grocery store, and we kind of decipher how to read a modern food package. And, you know, the modern food package is it's an incredible thing. You've got your billboard up front trying to, trying to lead you in the direction the mm-hmm. food manufacturer wants you to go. You've got your nutrition facts that all you know, your doctors and nutritionists tell you to look at, where you have your carbs, your fats, and your protein, and you're supposed to make some kind of sense out of that. And then you've got the ingredient list, which are full of terms that are oftentimes very confusing and very foreign to people. So we decided to say, you know, let's look at all three of these things. Let's make it easy. Let's decipher it for the typical consumer. And we show you exactly how to purchase the healthiest foods in every aisle with Rich Food, Poor Food. Well, you know, it's funny. I just opened to this page about milks and I it is very, very clear. I love this steer here or steer clear. And you give not only some brand names, but you give some of the qualities of the food. But so does that mean that you see us going to the store with your guide in hand? Is it something we sort of learn? How do you suggest we really use the guide? Well, people are bringing it to the grocery store with them. And the great thing is we do. If we if you do not have that steer here brand or any of those brands that we actually direct you to with photos and everything, if you don't have those in your grocery store, there's a great section called your checkout checklist. And those are the guidelines that we used, the criteria we used when choosing our rich foods. And after every single aisle, there's a space for you to write in your grocery store choice. So the great thing is it might take you a little longer the first time to find the perfect healthiest food in every single aisle. But after that, we guarantee you shopping success because you've already, you know, checked out every single brand and you know exactly where you're going in your grocery store. And it really saves a lot of time. Oh, definitely. And then you go home and you're, you're not wondering as you're feeding these things to your family. Yeah, I'm looking at this great checkout checklist. And for example, uh, this is coming from the hot dog and sausage aisle. Okay, there's a worrisome aisle right there. <laughs> but you're actually saying there's some things we can choose. There are. There are fantastic options in that aisle, actually. And they're so great to make as a snack for a family or, you know, they're so easy and quick. Everyone loves a hot dog or a sausage. And there's plenty of them out there. We just want to make sure that we steer you towards the ones that are grass-fed because that's going to offer more micronutrients and organic. But we want you to watch out because there's so many sugars and high-fructose corn syrup in them. There's these 
petroleum-based um, BHA and BHT that are used as preservatives. There's nitrates. So we have all these things, and we tell you exactly what you want to see on the ingredients list and what words you want to make sure are never on your ingredient list. Yeah, that is really spelled out very clearly. I like that a lot. So truly, you know, if it seems overwhelming to somebody to try and overhaul their grocery cart in one trip to the store, you could take a section. You could say, I'm going to overhaul this aisle. I'm going to overhaul the dairy department. You know, you could take it a little bit more slowly. But I know that, you know, when you mentioned that the the front of the product is a big billboard for us, there are some words thrown out there that are, I think, so misleading. For example, when it says natural, what is that really telling us? Well, you know, that's one of the that's one of the the most common words we find in the grocery store today. And it doesn't mean that everything that says natural is a bad product, but what we want consumers to realize is that it may not be it may not mean to you what the what it means to the manufacturers. You know, it kind of summons up, uh, you know, visions in the mind of chirping birds and clear streams <laughs> and very blowing trees. But did you know that foods that say that they're natural can contain ingredients such as high fructose corn syrup, partially hydrogenated vegetable oil, modified food starch. They can contain hormones, pesticide, antibiotics, chemical fertilizers. They can be genetic engineered, and they can be grown in sewage sludge. Oh, God. (laughs) It's not exactly what we think. And so, again, we're just informing the consumer to say, hey, you know what? Take those words that we see with a grain of salt and do a little bit more investigating by turning it over and looking at the ingredient list. Yep, that's important. Now, you talk about some sinister sugar substitutes. Tell us which ones we should avoid at all costs. Well, I'll tell you it this way. First of all, sugar. We don't like sugar, real sugar, and there's tons of aliases for sugar itself. We definitely don't like high fructose corn syrup either. We're talking about sinister sugar substitutes. We're really referring to those things like sucralose, Splenda, um, or aspartame, neotame, and saccharin. And really, we don't like any of those. They all have negative side effects. And actually, what they've shown now is that a lot of the times, people actually gain more weight when they eat products that contain these diet sweeteners. So we want to be careful. Now, on the other hand, we love stevia. Stevia is an all-natural leaf. It's from South America. And there are some good stevia options out there today. So we would go towards a stevia instead. But not even all stevia is created equally. Now they try to brand name stevia to be, you know, all these other all these other you know, box names, they right. put them in pre-sized packages, and those contain all sorts of things, and usually they contain sugar. So how could we find, I mean, the stevia that you're talking about then, is it the plant? We have to grow it ourselves, dry it, crumble it up, or, or can we buy stevia products at the grocery store that you do think are good ones? Yeah, we actually list in our in our sweetener section, we actually list a whole bunch of the different brands that we do approve of. Okay. We like the Kale Pure Stevia Extract. We like the Stevita Simply um, Stevia. We like the Sweet Leaf Organic. The ones that we don't like are those ones that people generally see offered at the restaurants. Those are things like Truvia. Oh, yeah. And Stevia and the Raw. Those are the things that are cut with a whole lot of other ingredients. There should only be stevia in stevia. Yeah, there you go. That's what I tell people when they're buying meats. I'm like, it should say just chicken. 
That's all it should say. <laughs> and all this water and people are paying for the water and the sugar and the sodium that they're stuffing this. Exactly. Full of. I know that's craziness, really craziness. If you're just joining us, we're talking to Jason and Mira Carlton. They are the authors of Rich Food, Poor Food, The Ultimate Grocery Purchasing System. It's a way to shop smart, shop healthy, save time and money. Now, you know, you mentioned that there are some ingredients that are banned in Europe, but they're found in our foods. What are those and why are we accepting this? Well, I think it's because, you know what, we've been so focused on calories and fat and sodium here in America, we have never really had an opportunity to focus on the ingredients. Now, they have done so in other countries, the U.K. and the, all throughout the EU in general have really focused on these things. But there's some things, like you said, that are banned in other countries that are still allowed in our foods. We go over them in the book. A couple of them are, are artificial colors. Did you know that blue one, blue two, yellow five, yellow six, and red 40 are all banned in other countries? Because because they've been shown to be carcinogenic and can even mutate human DNA. We've got things like fake fat, like Olestra. You know, here in America, we're like, hey, hey, we get to eat potato chips, and they're fat-free, even though they've got fat in them. But what they don't tell you is that that fat is completely synthetic. It doesn't get absorbed by your body, but it also does something else. It doesn't allow your body to absorb the essential fat-soluble micronutrients, because it takes fat in order to absorb those things. So there's a downfall with that, and that's banned in other countries. Brominated vegetable oil is another one. Brominated flour, azodicarbonamide, that's a good one. If you use that (laughs) ingredient in Singapore, you should go to jail for 15 years. Oh, my gosh. 15 years and find a half a million dollars. BHA and BHT. This is something that the National Institute of Health has said is reasonably considered to be a carcinogen. And the state of California listed as a carcinogen. Yet, it's in our foods all over the grocery store. Synthetic hormones and even arsenic in chicken. Oh, my gosh. Well, you know, it's funny because real food, as close to it enters the world, there's nothing bad for you anywhere in any of that. But it's all these things that have been added and done for shelf life or consumer appeal or taste to our new taste buds that have, you know, sort of become needing an assault to even be excited, it seems like. So, you know, there's a certain amount of it that's necessary. Would you agree? I mean, some some of this progress is real progress, but some of the rest of the progress seems like it's outright harmful. Well, um, we would probably say that most of the progress, unfortunately, is, is fairly harmful. You know, we don't say there's anything wrong with having packaged foods. And that's what you're talking about. Some of yeah. it's okay. There are a lot of packaged foods. There are people making, there are food manufacturers making good, healthy packaged foods. And that's what we try to explain in the book. We're not saying there's any bad manufacturer. There's bad ingredients that they're putting in. And a lot of the times what we find out is once we make them aware that these ingredients are, that these ingredients are harmful, they'll take them out. Right. And we really are seeing a lot of changes. It's about people getting involved and learning about these ingredients. And then they, if, once you have that education, you can leave them on the store shelves. And that's really how you vote. That's how we vote, and that's how we make change in, here in America, because it's all about the dollars and cents. Yep. So if you leave a bad product with bad ingredients on the, on the shelf, you're sending a very strong message to the food manufacturers that you want them to do it closer to the great old-fashioned way. And do you think that's, that's in the future? Do you think that they, that is happening, that consumers are being a little bit more stringent with what they want? 
We're very optimistic about it. I mean, I think we are at a tipping point here in the United States. I think we've kind of, you know, we've gone through the last 50 years or so, you know, thinking that the di- next, next new diet is going to be the answer. And I think what we need to now start to focus on is food quality. And we have started to do that. Books like Rich Food, Poor Food and others are leading the way in that. And consumers are educating themselves. They're saying, you know what, I'm not going to fall for this 100-calorie snack pack stuff anymore. I'm not going to, you know, believe that if they take all the fat out of the food and throw all the chemicals in, it's going to be better for me. What I want to do now is I want to educate myself. And we're not all about the government, you know, being out there to protect us and ban these foods like they have in other countries. You know, I don't think that that's necessarily going to happen overnight. But what we can do as consumers is educate ourselves. And like Mira said, we are the ones putting those foods in our shopping cart. So the more educated we become, the more in control we become of our own health. And I think food food quality is really the key for the future here. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I know that you all shared a recipe with me to put on my site, which is five-minute mayonnaise, which you can make at home, which you'll know everything that's gone into it. And it sounds delicious. My mom used to make mayonnaise when I was a kid. But send us off today. I know you've got a list in the book of 20 fruits and vegetables you should always buy organic. Don't tell us all 20, but send us off with a handful of the fruits and vegetables that no, no ifs, ands, or buts we should buy as organics. Well, we call these a terrible 20 and the Fab 14. And what we really want people to know is that there are some things that we really have to buy organic, and those would be the terrible 20. We made that list basically out of the fact that some things have a lot of pesticides on them and other things are genetically modified. So the ones that are bad include a lot of the things that people love to give their kids, apples, peaches, strawberries, grapes, blueberries, cucumbers. Those are things on the table. Now, the good news is the Fat 14, you can buy these conventionally without a lot of worry. Onions, pineapple, avocado, cabbage, sweet peas, asparagus, mango, kiwis, cantaloupes, sweet potatoes, grapefruits. So there's a lot of great options out there, and we give you all of this, and we have a list that you can download from the website. It's a wallet-sized guide that you can print up to take with you when you go grocery shopping to just bring with you and show you exactly which foods are okay to buy conventionally. Uh, that's all a bunch of really helpful information. That's great stuff. I'm going to put a link to the book, Rich Food, Poor Food, The Ultimate Grocery Purchasing System, on amystable.com, as well as a link to the Colton's website, which is www.coltonnutrition.com. But Mira and Jason, thank you so much for just truly a wealth of information today. Thanks for having us, Amy. Thank you so much. You're listening to Amy's Table. It's Amy's Table. A girl's guide to living. With Amy Tobin on Q102.